Good afternoon, collectors and friends. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy, episode number 41. And if you are a Dave Matthews fan, it's one of my uh, songs I really like from earlier in the Dave Matthews band days. So a little ode to episode number 41, song number 41 by Dave. Thanks for joining us today. So we have a few topics. We're going to get right into it. First topic that I'm going to cover today. Always have to be leery of buying valuable, ungraded cards. It doesn't matter if it's modern, doesn't matter if it's vintage or in between. I'm going to show you today's example as to what I'm talking about. Recently here at Just Collect, we have a very active website at justcollect.com. What I mean by active, for those of you just listening to us for the first time, thank you and welcome. So we have dozens of inquiries that come into our website at justcollect.com every day through our lead form. Much of what we get is from the 80s, the 90s, or even more modern than that. But we still are able to find a fair amount of vintage, and we're very grateful for that. So we also buy, you know, cards that are important and valuable from the 80s. For example, like the Magic Johnson Bird Rookie or the Michael Jordan 1986 Fleer, as I'm going to show you in just a minute or two. So with the 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan, we've bought them through the years, either graded or ungraded. And of course, when you buy them graded, you know um, roughly what it's worth based on what the card is graded and which company it is graded with. But when it's ungraded, of course, you're hoping for the highest grade possible, but the trick is to be able to identify what you think it'll grade with the grading company and to pay, hopefully, uh, just a little bit less. But you got to be really careful because the 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan card has been heavily counterfeited over the years. And we know that here at Just Collect, as yours truly has handled hundreds of Michael Jordan 1986 Fleer cards over the years, and have seen a fair amount of counterfeits and reproductions of that card. So in this particular case, we have JK in our office, who's a member of the Vintage Breaks team and the Just Collect team, who's just getting started with leads and has gotten a few nice collections for us uh, early on uh, in his uh, experience, you know, talking to folks over the phone, through email, et cetera. And so he recently discovered someone who had a 1986 clear Michael Jordan that was ungraded, and what we told this individual, because they were asking what we could pay for it, got to see it in person, give them an estimate based on the image, so on and so forth. But, you know, really have to see the card in person. However, if you'd like to get the card graded your, yourself, we're happy to make you an offer after you get the card graded. Person swore that doesn't want to get it graded, um, doesn't have the time, the wherewithal, et cetera. So I said, sure, send that on in. We're happy to take, you know, take a look at it. We'll let you know the day that we get it. We'll let you know um, that it's arrived safely. And of course, we'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. But in this case, because you only have one card, it's really not that long uh, you know, to spend uh, you know, on one card. So it was pretty easy as far as after it arrived. Well, in this case, I'm going to show you, of course, two different Michael Jordans. Let me pull up our camera here. And for those listening, I'll talk us through it. But for those who are able to watch us, uh, you can do so on Instagram or our YouTube channel. Appreciate you tuning in. So this is the card in question that I got here at the Just Collect Central offices in Milburn, New Jersey. And by the way, if you're ever in the Milburn area, stop by our store. We're open six days a week, every day except for Wednesday. 
We have lots of great vintage on display and a really nice and open selection. We're always going live here with vintage breaks. So at first glance, and I actually left my loop at uh, the desk, but regardless, I don't think you'd see it blown up. The first two telltale signs on the Michael Jordan 86 Fleer, you want to see that little flag to the right of Premier be a different color than the yellow. And this appears to be like a more of an orangish yellow. And then on the back, the basketball with the NBA logo uh, upon looking under a loop and magnification, you would see the lines in the basketball. So with this particular card, it actually did have the right look to the yellow flag. It had the right look to the basketball. But when I took it out, and I don't have another common here, even without another common around, I could just close my eyes. And I know that this card, for whatever reason or another, it does not feel like other 1986 clear basketball cards. And it feels foreign. In other words, if I put a group of 100 commons together, I'd be able to pick this out as it does not feel like the others. Even though it looks like the others with those telltale signs, I thought that the nameplate was a little bit off. I thought that the blue was a little bit too blue. Okay? So here we have a Michael Jordan PSA 9 that was pulled from PAX in front of our eyes. And you can see side by side that that Michael Jordan is just a little bit less blue in the nameplate. And you can see the name uh, Michael Jordan itself just appears to be a little bit different than the authentic one in a PSA 9 holder. But what's really scary, and this is the point of today's episode, even though the flag really did look like it was A-OK -okay, or almost A-OK. -okay. Same thing with the basketball on the back. I had no reason to be a hero. I told the individual or we told the individual that we thought it was a reprint. Um, if you'd like and you don't believe us, you know, you want to get a second opinion, send it out to PSA or SGC. They'll happy to take your money. Well, they'll be happy to take your money and grade it. So I'm going to tell you what happens. We're not going to tell you who this was or where they were from. They said, oh. Oh, that's, you know, that's unfortunate. You know, you could keep it and you can cut it up. Excuse me? So you tried to sell a multiple thousand dollar card claiming you didn't know. And then upon being told that the card was Fugazi, for those of the, you, for those of you that seen, um, uh, what is it with Johnny Depp? It's not a Bronx tale. It's um, Donnie Brasco. Uh, uses Fugazi. So upon learning that your card is Fugazi by an expert, you told us just to keep it? So what that says to me is that the individual likely knew before he sent it in, but he wanted to be extra sure. I'm trying to, you know, really look at the best possible scenario here. Um, but the reason why I'm sharing it with not just the trading card therapy community, but we're going to cut up this clip and put it on our new Vintage Cards TV YouTube account and our YouTube channel. Make sure you give us a follow there. I want to make sure that as the national is coming upon us in Chicago, and inevitably there's going to be a fair amount of 86 clear Michael Jordans, and I bet you of those, a fair amount of those will be likely sold ungraded. You better know what you're looking for, or you can get burnt out there. So protect your peace. And that's what today's episode is all about, is protecting your peace, specifically protecting your hobby peace. So if you have any questions, you want to drop me a line, you can do so in two different ways. Right here on Instagram through Trading Card Therapy, just send me a DM or email me direct at Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N at justcollect.com. What up, James? Orin Cards. Thank you, my friend. Daniel Lynch. 
and OG at VB. Thanks for tuning in today. So the next topic I want to cover today, it's broken down into a few uh, different areas, but it's really all under the same Protect Your Peace episode number 41 here of TCT. Coming to you live from Just Collective Vintage Breaks headquarters. So recently, I was contacted by a law firm. Generally not that great to be contacted by a law firm. However, in this case, they were seeking out my vintage card expertise. For those of you who do not know me, I am the doctor, the host of Trading Card Therapy. And I've been handling vintage baseball cards for nearly three decades. Have handled the buying and selling of almost probably over, but we'll call it almost $50 million of vintage cards. So when you do that, you put yourself out there with content and, uh, you know, an active website. Uh, folks tend to find you generally to offer their goods for sale. But on occasion, I've been asked to participate, you know, in a variety of different situations over the years. But this was a very clear one. They were looking for an industry expert who potentially could help them identify some potential cards being switched. So the facts as they were presented to me, we will not give anything uh, away here as far as particulars, but we had said law firm contacted me reaching out for an industry expert. And what they were um, doing was representing an individual who had been trying to work with an auction house, I guess, for a little bit of time, um, selling their cards on consignment. For those of you who are listening to this episode and aren't familiar with consignment, the whole idea of consignment, whether it be in baseball cards or other fields, is someone, whether it be a firm, an individual, etc., is going to sell your goods, just say a baseball card in this case, sell it through their auction house. So they're going to sell it on eBay, like Probesteam, whatever the case may be. And then for doing that, they're going to get a fee. That fee could range 10%, 20%, whatever the numbers are is really immaterial here. And so what happened was this individual had submitted a fair amount of ungraded cards to said auction house. And the reason why this law firm reached out to me representing this individual is because in this individual believes that he had some cards that came back to him. So for example, in the case of, a, oh, I don't know, a Nolan Ryan rookie, that even though we got a Nolan Ryan rookie back, he didn't believe that that was the card he actually submitted to the auction house. You might say, well, usually when you give cards to an auction house, they're sent into them to sell, to be sold. They are, but these cards are supposedly misplaced or lost, whatever the case may be. And so then ultimately when they were found, the consigner wanted them back. But upon getting them back, the thing that this consigner did, which I wanted to share today, is he took photographs of his key cards. So upon receiving some of these cards back, he was looking at his records looking at the card he's getting back. And he's like, you know, I know it's not serial numbered, but these don't look like the same cards. So this individual um, got representation as in the middle of a whole, call it a situation. And um, for a number of reasons, I'm not going to be getting involved in this situation, but I did say to the law firm that no matter what, I would be making content, letting people know in the industry some things to not only look out for, but some things that you could do to protect yourselves, and ultimately protect your hobby piece. So as far as whether it be you're dealing with an auction house, you're dealing with a company like mine at Just Collect, and you're selling us cards that, you know, we both are hope, hoping are valuable, or you're actually sending cards out to the grading companies. 
keeping in mind, and I said this to my staff before we went live today here on Trading Card Therapy, that even if an issue happens at PSA, even if an issue happens at an auction house, um, or an issue happens at a company like mine, meaning a, a dealer that you know assesses collections and buys them all the time, fairly regularly, it doesn't mean if an issue or mistake happens that the owner, the leadership is a bad egg, that they've done something wrong. But of course, it's going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. And so one of the ways to protect, if you're going to work with an auction house and you're sending in cards that are not graded already, and you're sending in raw cards of substantial value, one of the ways to protect yourself, at the very least, is you're going to inventory them, and that goes without saying, but you're going to take photographs of them, create folders on your phone, organize the cards, and that's if you're going to be dealing with an auction house. If you're going to be dealing with a grading company, such as PSA, SGC, or any of the other big um, players out there, I do not recommend making yourself nuts and taking a photograph of every single card you are submitting. But if you're paying um, for a $1,000 PSA service and you're setting in a 51 Bowman Mickey Mantle and you believe it's a dead nuts, meaning well-centered, I'm making up the number six, you should take a photograph of that. I've been doing that for as long as I can remember. I've never shared that before because to me it seems you know, obvious and a good way to protect yourself, protect your peace. But hearing this made me want to share the story of what uh, I was approached with. So that way we can help folks that are out there. Um, and you're not just talking about collectors, by the way. These could be investors. This could be someone who inherited a lifetime collection in their family, and they may not know. So we're trying to help each and every one of you out there to make sure that you're going to protect your peace and you're going to have a situation where you don't just have a record of your cards that you're submitting for grading, that you're submitting for an offer or an evaluation with a company like mine, or you're submitting to an auction house and just having them sold, you know, i.e. graded and then sold. It's vital to make sure that on the cards are super expensive, do yourselves a, fa do yourselves a favor and take photographs, document, and... If you feel like you know cards well and they're ungraded, take your best guess as to what you think they would grade. So that way when they come back, you know, if you thought it was in the grade of seven, it comes back at two. Well, you're like, oh, well, what, is there a crease or a paper loss on the back that I missed? Um, you know, whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that you're going to protect your downside and maximize your upside. And when you're working with an auction house, I mean, I've worked with a number of great ones through the years. Um, and I'm not going to name any ones in particular here today because this is not about um, promoting anyone particular. But this is really, and like I said, we've thrown ourselves in the mix as far as, hey, if you're dealing with someone, you're just trying to get an offer, we have folks, they'll take a full inventory of what they send us before they send it in. You should do that. If it's going to make you sleep better at night, you should do anything and everything possible to make sure that you have a good record. And keep in mind, we're talking about vintage cards here. These cards are not serial numbered. So, you know, if you have a Steph Curry NT, you know, uh, rookie and it's numbered of 99, sure. I mean, I guess maybe it's not as imperative to have a picture whether numbered. But certainly when you're talking about cards where, you know, the grade uh, really dictates what the cards are worth. And without an image, it's your word against someone else's. And even in this particular gentleman's case, 
it may be difficult for him to prove that anything actually transpired, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, anything nefarious. And so that's why, you know, today we're not calling anyone out saying any, anyone did anything wrong. But if you've been doing this for a long time, you may not realize that yours truly was taking photographs of his best cards he was sending in. And not because I thought something was necessarily going to be taken or misplaced. I was telling the gang this morning, I'm like, what if a grader had coffee and graders are drinking coffee, right? They're working in dark rooms. They're trying to stay awake and they're working hard. Um, what if someone spilled the coffee on my, you know, 52 tops mantle? I'd like to know that my mantle was sent in, sans a coffee stain. It came back a coffee stain. I at least want to have a record. So all in all, if you're going to the national, right, and you're going to bring cards to sell and you're going to bring 60 graded cards and you're telling, hey, I know you, don't worry about it. Just check them out when you ever get a chance. I'll leave them at your, 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 your booth. I'd want to know that you have an inventory. Not for me, for you. I'd want to know that each of us are going to be protected as we go to the national, which by the way, I've heard there's been, you know, over the years, of course, lots of great uh, transactions, but you got to be careful, right? Cards get misplaced, they get taken, they don't get returned. So you want to make sure that you're doing the best you can, especially when you're um, going to be submitting something of substantial value to protect your piece. And on that note, we are going to wrap up our 41st episode of Trading Card Therapy. This is the doctor signing off. Thanks for joining us today.